Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Hey, I'm Christina Wallace. And I'm Kate Scott Campbell. And you're listening to The Limit Does Not Exist. A podcast for human Venn diagrams. Coming at you every other Tuesday. And hosted by us. Today we're talking with Marquise Stillwell, the founder and principal of Openbox, an independent design and innovation consultancy that helps organizations and communities think, build, and grow together. Marquise also works in creative leadership, teaching with the Chaos Pilots in Denmark and South Africa to help students learn by doing, love that, and he's an active supporter of the arts, collaborating on three short films and one feature-length movie, Shield and Spear, about the rise of creative expression in post-apartheid South Africa. Marquise serves as a board member for the low-line underground part, which is totally cool. They plan to use innovative solar technology to illuminate and historic trolley terminal underground on the Lower East Side of New York City. And you're going to hear all about it in the interview. 
It's so cool. We also discussed the power of curiosity and vulnerability, why you should play early and play often, and why failure shouldn't be a way of life, but a way of learning. Speaking of learning, we also talk about diversity versus inclusion, clubs versus community, and the power of student-driven learning. Yes. Also, Christina drops a very important bombshell (laughs) that you're definitely going to want to hear. Hint number one, it's about how we sound. Hint number two, we're not changing that anytime soon. No, we are not. So many (laughs) takeaways in this episode. So why are we pushing this off? Let's just get right to it. I have no idea. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Hey, Kate. Hey, Christina. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm great. Hello, Marquise. Hello, everyone. Hey, Marquise. Hello, Kate. (laughs) Christina. We're so I mean, excited. Yes, I, I need to like preface this by saying it's a Friday. It's a little bit hot and sticky and gross outside. I'm just I want I want you to be prepared. I'm a little low energy today. So um, oh, good. We'll pick it up. I I didn't know that low energy was in your thermostat. So I'm excited to hear this side of you, Christina. <laughs> well, I mean. It's it's all relative, right? So right. Um, so we're just I just I'm wearing my NASA T-shirt. I'm I've had my two cups of coffee, but I just I wanted <laughs> our listeners to know that like I'm fine. We're all gonna be good, but I'm just a little low energy. <laughs> For you, well, that's not that low. I know exactly, I know. <laughs> exactly. I think our listeners are also excited to hear the side of you. So, oh my goodness! Uh, you I know, think I can we'll, we'll see where that goes. That. Well, so, it's it. Yes, go ahead. I, I was just, I was going to speak right on over you like we do. Um, and okay, since I've said that, I feel like I need to bring this up. It's been eating eating my lunch this week. Kate, oh. you found a couple of comments on our... Oh, oh we're going to talk about this. <laughs> well, oh, I wasn't going exciting. to until this moment. It just, it occurred to me that I wanted to get it, um, get it off my chest. You found a couple of comments, or a couple of reviews on our iTunes page that was annoyed by how we spoke. And given that I just spoke over you and interrupted you, I felt like it was relevant to bring this up. <laughs> this is um, exciting because this is completely, I mean, everything we do is very conversational, as <laughs> everyone knows by now. But this is totally raw, unplanned in it the is. moment. It is. Well, it just, it's been, I know you told me to like, let it roll off my chest. And did you do if, the homework that I gave you? I did you. the homework. I did. I listened. The homework? <laughs> the homework was to listen to this great little 15 minute podcast that, mm-hmm. um, that Refinery29 puts out mm-hmm. uh, that was all about, I'm trying to find the title it's of it. It's called that. Strong Opinions Loosely Held. There is it the is. the podcast. There it is. And it was um, this little 18-minute mini burst, perfect for a subway ride, talking about how mm. women uh, get policed and how we talk. Specifically, um, yes, exactly. Spe- about, specifically about women on the internet. I think <laughs> and, the episode is called something like Just Shut Up, I think. Yes. Something like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, highly recommended uh, to anyone who wants to, to take a listen. But I know you told me to like do my homework, let it roll off my chest. It's a, like a side effect of being a woman on the internet is that you're going to get um, vitriol. I think time.com uh, just put out a story this morning about like 80% of their female reporters had filtered or decided not to write about something because they yeah, didn't want to be, yeah, they didn't mm-hmm. want to be uh, trolled or abused. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I know that it's, it's part of what it is we do being public women. We're going to 
get uh, get moderated and and um, I guess criticized for it. But I just wanted to say, in addition to, I'm sorry for interrupting you in our opening. Uh, <laughs> this is just how we talk, and you know what, trolls. Eat That's it. right. That's right. <laughs> Don't be a coward. Exactly. Anyway, Kate, you were about to say something. <laughs> well, thank you, Marquise, for saying that. Absolutely. Amen. And same, Christina. By the way, I don't see it as interrupting. I see it as just sharing an experience together and talking mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. when thoughts come into our brain. But, you know, I think that our uh, we could do, you know, many episodes on this topic because it's one that's really relevant. Mm-hmm. For the sake of today, I would say that this episode of Strong Opinions Loosely Held really affected me because I was vocally trained in graduate school and have done a lot of work going into ad agencies and other corporate places talking to women about how they speak and chastising things like vocal fry and vocal fillers and uptalk and all of those things that women get a lot of slack for. Mm-hmm. I was stunned because I didn't realize the extent to which men do those things. As a woman, I didn't realize that until they played this amazing mashup cut on the podcast. And you can hear that happening. You know, mm-hmm. I think what really struck me is that what it's really about is is talking in a way that feels authentic to you. That, yes. you know, part of the conversation of the show was how women, particularly women of our generation, are really taking ownership over our language. We're creating words. We're creating a style of how, how we like to speak. Mm-hmm. But then it also comes down to the individual level as well. And the biggest takeaway that I got was just the incredible amount of vocal feedback that women on the radio and now on podcasting get, often it comes from other women. And what this one, I think, uh, feminist scholar was saying on the show is that what it really comes down to is critiquing the fact that women are speaking at all. At all. Yeah. And that's another way to look at it. So I found it very empowering. And, uh, you know, what I said to you, Christina, is, yeah, it's, you know, putting ourselves out here on the show we are opening ourselves up to any and all kind of feedback. We can only control what what we contribute, and then at some point, it, it it's not ours anymore. You know, it becomes our listeners, and they can kind of, you guys can listen and and do what you will with what what we have to give. Um, and so we are happy for all 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 feedback in in the sense that you know we love that you're listening and responding. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when it comes down to how we're talking not really useful for us. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. You're, it's true. It's not actionable feedback because I'm not changing how I speak. No, exactly. Get so. your own show. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Go do your own damn podcast. <laughs> That's right. <you> know? <laughs> Go write your own damn script yeah. for your life. Yeah. It, I'm sure this is not a, feedback you've ever received, Marquise, though. You just have a voice made for, like, voiceovers and radio no, and announcing. <laughs> no, I get plenty of feedback, so I welcome it all. <laughs> well, yes, Marquise, this is, I am meeting you through your voice, and uh, it is delightful. <laughs> it's got, like, a Morgan Freeman quality to it. I just, I want to put that out there. Uh-uh. The, 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 <laughs> the one feedback that that I will speak to that I found particularly not useful was uh, somebody did write the fact that we are say wow a lot and that we're enthusiastic about what oh, our yeah. guests are saying makes us seem like we are in over our heads, I think was the comment. <laughs> I think that was what they said. I feel very passionate about the fact uh, that 
you know, we are enthusiastic about what we do. We love this show. We love mm-hmm. what we do. We wouldn't be doing it if we didn't. We also love who we're talking to. We They're love brilliant. who we're talking to. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, you know, I if I can go on a mission to take down the notion that enthusiasm is somehow undermining in the professional sphere, mm-hmm. I will commit my life's work to that because you can be enthusiastic and also know exactly what you're talking about. The fact that you are locked in only feeds the enthusiasm that you're feeling in my experience. So I agree. That's my soapbox. (laughs) Okay. So I got us off track. You were about to tell us about this article you came across, uh, this blog post, this TED talk that was going to kick us off today. So I will stop uh, on the the side tangent, why don't you uh, <laughs> intro this article? Well, I'm so glad you brought it up, Christina. Uh, the the side tangent, if you will, which uh, <laughs> I, I really believe it's more than that. So I'm so happy that we've opened the conversation mm-hmm. about conversation. This particular <laughs> article was given to us. Actually, we were tagged in it by a follow of ours on Twitter, Jennifer Wild. Thank you mm-hmm. so much for Thank tagging you, us in this. And we thought it would be great to talk about today, particularly because we are talking uh, to Marquise which we will, uh, who we will learn so much more about very shortly. Um, but this was a post by this author named Austin Cleon. I hope I'm saying his last name right. He wrote Steal Like an Artist, among other books. And he wrote this post about a TEDx talk by Stephen Tomlinson. And essentially, the talk is about Stephen Tomlinson's a turning point in his work, I would say. Now, Stephen has a PhD in economics from Stanford. He currently coaches Wall Street, Fortune 500, and startup executive and managers. He is a founding master teacher at the Acton School of Business for Entrepreneurship. He's taught economics. He is also an adjunct professor of pastoral ministry mm-hmm. <laughs> and an accomplished playwright and performer. In other words, a human, a human Venn, Venn diagram. diagram. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So he talks about this turning point in his life. When he was 28, he was an assistant professor of economics at UT. He was trying to figure out how to, as he said, play big, which I think it's a really big theme in in our world, right? How do you make Mm -hmm. your mark? How Mm -hmm. do you change the world in a broad stroke? Right. He he found that he had this position where he had to do a lot of research, and he wasn't doing any of it. What he really loved is he loved teaching. He loved reading books about spirituality. He went to the theater. And so he went to this professor at a local seminary, Will Spong, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. And he said, look, you're revered. I need a moral authority. I love <laughs> all of these things. But should I just kind of, you know, put on put on my boots and uh, just do my research here, get tenured and do the track that I'm on? Mm-hmm. And what this guy said is, oh, and by the way, he said, whatever you tell me to do, I will do. I yes. just need an answer. I just need someone else to make the decision for me. That's right. And mm-hmm. essentially, uh, what, what, did, what, did, what did Will Spong say? Christina? He said, you can't possibly cut off mm-hmm. like two of your, your arms, your limbs, your passions, and choose only one. Because once you do that, you're going to feel this like phantom loss, this phantom pain mm-hmm. from the two things that you cut off. Mm-hmm. Don't look for you know, one thing that you should be doing, look for a calling. Mm -hmm. And that's really where your passions overlap with what the world needs, Mm -hmm. which was, you know, I just thought an amazing, uh, concise way of putting it. I don't speak in aphorisms. I really wish I did. Um, (laughs) But it was just, it was so wonderfully clear. And I think such a great uh, elucidation of, you know, how we talk about the human Venn diagrams. Um, yes, of of our community. So I'm so glad you came across this post. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the, you know, the talk is really worth listening to. There's some mm-hmm. audio issues on the talk, but, you know, you can sort of get through them and just <laughs> listen, listen to the message. Because the message of the talk to me, one of the messages was that, you know, relax, follow your curiosity, follow what you are interested in. Eventually, they will kind of start talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a quote in the talk that I loved that was, don't let the big that you aspire to be a barrier to the small that's going to get you there. Mm-hmm. You know, that mm-hmm. it's about daily practice. You know, he has this great metaphor too, where he says, you know, if what you really want is to kind of marry yourself, you know, we're trying to figure out what you want to do, <laughs> then you've got to go on a couple of dates first, you know, you, you've, you've got to try out some things, you, you know, listen to them, let them inform you. Uh, and, you know, eventually you will see once you relax and kind of just be in the work and the curiosity, the way will be, will be shown, uh, you know, probably mm-hmm. a way that's far more interesting than one that you could have written coming from that place of, ooh, of, of, of ego kind of, right? Like I've got to make my mark. Yeah. Well, and I think that the thing that really struck me and this is why it's like the perfect opening for our conversation with Marquise mm-hmm. is that, you know, by not trying to fit himself into the box that was presented in front of him, which was tenure track research economics, you know, this path and just kind of pursuing all three things in tandem, the intersections of those things just surfaced. Right. right. He was asked to write a play about the spirituality <laughs> of money for like an economics conference or something. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yes, of course, <laughs> of course perfect. he should do this. Right. And um, and sort of, you know, by by him saying by putting his work out there of this is what I can do. This is how these things make sense to me. Um, you know, he talked about the artist's way and the, the writing yes. of the three pages every morning, yes. which is such a good habit that I continually struggle with. Um, <laughs> but just sort of trying to figure out how those things made sense for him. And as he figured out why why he was drawn to those things and where that intersection really um, was interesting, the world took notice, right? And mm-hmm. And suddenly they were asking him to do that intersection for money, which is great because that's how it turns into this, you know, career path. Um, mm-hmm. And and I'm I'm absolutely intrigued as we start um, to go down Marquise's path. Like, mm-hmm. how how did this kind of ring true for you? Yes. In terms of all the different things you do and how you've been able to sort of create your own, you know, design and innovation agency in order to to intersect them. But how did you see this playing out in your life? before you got to that point that you, you founded Openbox. Yeah, yeah no, I, thank you guys. The article, and I watched the, uh, the, the uh, TED Talk as well, and it was definitely beautiful. And, and one thing that really resonated with me is this idea of just going out there and just trying. Um, for me, I've always been driven by curiosity, um, but I also believe that you have to have a sense of vulnerability as well. Mm-hmm. And that's the willingness to be have you know to start with that beginner's mind and know that you don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And so you know at even you know at 28 when he started to question, he hadn't gathered enough information about himself and the world to even make a decision. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. education forces us to pick a major and pick a path. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes that that path puts us in a place where. We shouldn't be based on our curiosity and and our willingness to be vulnerable. And so for me, I just kept playing. Um, I kept a lot of different people around me 
that allowed me to, to actually gather good information that led to the path that I'm on today. Mm -hmm. How did you, how did you feel like you had a sense of cultivating a, a vulnerability, you know, or, or I guess also Marquise, how, you know, how do you protect that vulnerability? How do you kind of nurture no, it? It's practice. It's yeah. a practice, right? Yep. I mean, vulnerability is something, especially, I mean, you, you think of cities like New York and, and I'm sure <laughs> in other cities you can, you can express this as well, but I practice vulnerability. I practice um, as simple things as when I see someone that's homeless, I actually look at them mm. um, in the eyes mm. and I say, hello. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's always, a you know, this thing of the energy, um, you know, everyone lives in a bubble and I love to see if I could pop that bubble sometimes and, and actually have a conversation <laughs> with someone that I would have never spoken to uh, in any previous you know, environment. So I think it's a practice, vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You can't just expect it to happen. Absolutely. Well, I love the name of your company, Open Box. It's kind mm-hmm. of crystallizes exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, would you just can you describe the work that you do uh, at Open Box? And um, so, from from my understanding, it's a design and innovation consultancy. Is is yes. that right? Yes. Talk to us about it. Yeah, I, I would I would say that you know the name itself, um, just to give you a good insight of that, it came from two different. Um, pathways. One, I knew that we needed some type of framework for mm-hmm. thinking, right? And so mm-hmm. for us, leveraging human-centered design, design thinking, and com- community activism is really important and core to the work that we do. And we needed a framework, but it needed to be open as well. Um, mm-hmm. We needed to experiment. We needed people with different points of view to come in and support that. Uh, but I also did some research on a gentleman by the name of Henry Brown. Henry mm-hmm. Brown was a slave and uh, Mm -hmm. he was in the the South and Henry Brown obviously wanted to not be a slave anymore. So Henry Brown uh, figured out a way to stick himself in a box and inside that box, he mailed himself to the North, basically (laughs) leveraging the government that was oppressing him to actually free himself. So, hence his new nickname was Henry Box Brown. That's right. I've yeah. watched wow. him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have never wow. heard this story. This is amazing. There yeah. might be a play about him, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, there's a couple little things about uh-huh. him that uh-huh. I've, I've seen. But, wow. I, again, this idea of innovation and thinking and leveraging what's oppressing you mm. to set you free as well. And so that's really a lot of the core thinking that we do at Open Box and the types of clients that we love to work with. And we don't see ourselves as consultants as much as partners that execute fully um, because it's really important that we see things through and we create sustainability within the work that we do. But it is about transferring knowledge and teaching. Um, It's about Mm -hmm. making sure that we empower people. And empowerment means that what are we willing to give up as well as we transfer knowledge? It's not about um, the team at Openbox always having to be the front and center. But how Mm -hmm. do we share that space and participate with the work that we're doing? And so for our listeners who aren't familiar with this, can you just really quickly explain what human-centered design or design thinking means? Yeah, I mean, at its basic core, it's just recognizing that we're humans and designing for that solution. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, people will go out and say design products and services 
with just the mass market um, or just the end product. So, you know, you just build a chair just so someone can sit on versus building a chair for the body to actually mm. sit on. Or like going to the post office, which drives me crazy sometimes. (laughs) People sit there and go, "This no one thought that people would actually be standing in line, did they? Mm. Um, And I'm sure we all have those moments where it's like no one thought that a person with this size hand would actually use this product. Mm -hmm. Or that where's the wait list? Where do I go? How do I Mm -hmm. find my way? So everything Mm -hmm. that we do, every service that we create, every product that we create, we're taking the human being and the conditions and and everything that goes along with that into consideration. So it's a big word for really a a simple way of thinking about Mm -hmm. how we design. That's so interesting because it seems very obvious, right? Like that humans have to use your products. You should probably design for them. And yet when you you hear about all these stories, um, certainly if you're looking at things, even like the Apple iPhone, which I would say Apple's probably one of the best companies out there that does human-centered design. And yet for a, a large number of women who have smaller hands, the yeah. new iPhone 6 is just too big. Yeah. Like they just you can't mm-hmm. use it with one hand, uh, or you know you think about apps that are developed um, to track uh, weight. I, I know there's um, there's like a Wi-Fi enabled scale that syncs with an app to keep track of your weight, and that seems super smart and interesting. Until one of my friends who's pregnant said, "There's no setting." for pregnancy. So she's now gained 15 pounds right. and now gets oh daily gosh. emails being like, hey, don't give up. You can do this. Oh and she's God. like, I'm not getting fat. So I'm pregnant. Right. <laughs> well, right? I, and I'd say on, on a total pedestrian level, no pun intended here, but shoe shopping, right? Uh, I, I can't tell you how many times I've shopped for shoes and think, shoemakers hate me and my feet right. is so uncomfortable. No, I, I, I agree. And, and so you know, we've dedicated our work to actually speaking with you, not doing some mass survey, but we do a lot of infield work. We do a lot, what's called intercepts, where we're, we just go out to neighborhoods and we actually speak with people and we talk with them and engage with them on a real personal level. Now, can we capture, you know, every single person? No, mm-hmm. but we do our best to create to, to capture a real good cross-section of people and, and really go deep with the type of research that we do. So we're dri- definitely driven by research, mm-hmm. and through those insights um, come the design, the design outcomes that we're looking for. And what I think is so interesting about that, too, is by starting with humans, you, you have to actually be very clear about who exactly are you designing something for, right? Yeah. You can't be all things to all people. Everyone knows that as a maxim. Right. But in reality of making products, I think a lot of companies sort of assume, oh, everyone will use this. But right. by realizing who you're designing it for, which segments, which populations, which you know demographics, you then also realize who you're not designing it for. That's and if right. you look at that across your portfolio or across mm-hmm. your company, you also get a sense of, am I systematically excluding people yeah. from mm-hmm. what I'm designing for? Are, you know, right. as we think about like disability enabled um, access to buildings or, yeah. you know, how we're designing education, which we're going to get to in a second, which populations are wholly being left out by our design choices and yeah. is there a way we can address this or design something you know separate and and awesome that it, it gets at their needs or can we find ways to actually make everything we're doing more accessible or, or more um, inclusive and I think it just puts that very um, 
that very important thinking just at the surface level instead of having it being buried deep and putting something out to market only to realize you've you've left out entire groups of people. But I think I think you're hitting on something that's key for us, and I think just in general the marketplace this idea of diversity versus inclusion. And Mm. for me, I'll take the I before the D. Um, Mm -hmm. I think (laughs) that unfortunately we think that diversity actually provides a, a platform for voice. Um, it doesn't. And so mm-hmm. you know, our focus is around participatory design and really making sure that the stakeholders are included. Mm-hmm. And I would say that just across the, the board, you know, we, we need to, as companies, we need to build companies that are inclusive, not just mm-hmm. diverse. Um, mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. some, we, we've focused so much on diversity that we've, we've haven't played set a table that will allow women, minorities, or anyone else to actually sit at the decision-making table. Mm-hmm. And we're still making decisions within diverse organizations that are going against <laughs> the people that we're really trying to help mm-hmm. because they don't, they're not sitting there. Yeah, absolutely. What do you most hope to change or, or affect through your work with OpenBox? And it, there might be many things, but... What's playing big for you? Yeah, I mean, playing big is, is that going back to inclusion and, and providing a, a voice, um, transferring mm-hmm. knowledge. Um, at the end of the day, our hope is that we work our way right out of you know anything that we're working on, right? And so we become <laughs> invisible um, mm. to the work. And I believe that that's the core of great design is that we work yourself out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if, if there's one thing that I would say that's key is that, and I would say the same thing with the people that work at OpenBox. I want people to leave here better than they came. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I always say that they are, they are most important to the work that we're doing. And if I'm, as the founder, can serve the people that are here and the stakeholders that we work with, then I feel like I've done my job. That that's so so true. Particularly with well, I'd say with any work, right? I was going to say particularly with creative work, but with any work, you know, um, it's incredible. You, Marquise, a little bit a little bit back to your career path. You've had a you have a robust background in finance. How did your path lead you to your current work as founder of Open Box and as a creative leader? Well, I mean, when I was in school, they didn't have anything as far as design and this idea of interdisciplinary and sharing just (laughs) wasn't something that was available. Uh, And so I kind of figured it out myself and and knew that I wanted to, to actually be in this space. So I'd studied advertising as Mm -hmm. an undergrad, but it was still at a time where you actually had to draw everything. Um, huh. Mac draw was like the coolest thing, but you, <laughs> everything that we did was by hand. And so wow. a, a lot of those schools were filled with kids who wanted to go to art school but couldn't. And so they studied advertising because you actually you know, did the art. You actually created it with your hand. Wow. Um, but after that, I knew that... I needed to really bone up on my math and finance um, because you just didn't take too many of those classes. So I made a, a, a decision to not go the agency route, mm-hmm. and I ended up going financial services route just mm-hmm. because I, I wanted to challenge myself because I, I knew that I could be good at the creative side. And so wow. I pushed myself to, to actually go on the finance side. Mm-hmm. And so through that, I knew that I could loop myself back in, particularly mm-hmm. through, say, product marketing, product design. Mm-hmm. And then from there, started looping in this ideal of design thinking, which is still very new, um, I would mm-hmm. say, just within, say, 
last 10 or 15 years yeah. that we've been having those conversations. And I talked my way into IDO. Um, they had an office in Boulder, Colorado, which where I was going to graduate school. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really get a, got a better understanding of design and design thinking. Um, I was helping create a, a medical um, woundwear product. Um, we were working with Vail Medical Center and doing wow. that. And so, again, I'm just entrepreneur going out, playing, meeting people. <laughs> and before you know it, I'm kind of sitting in uh, different offices, learning, <laughs> learning what I think I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Which I really believe is the way to learn, right? You're learning by doing your immersed in the work, even if you're flying by the seat of your pants at, at times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you have to go for the big ask. And I, I always say, you know, if I'm the smartest person in a room, Matt, I need to get out. Uh, <laughs> true. So true. Quickly, quickly. <laughs> but it's so interesting that, that you recognized that the art thing was something you could do. And so you decided to double down on the side you wanted more experience in the, the finance side and the number side. Um, I, I, obviously, this is a, a testament to sort of your curiosity and, and vulnerability. Vulnerability, mm-hmm. exactly. But I think that's sort of the opposite of of what is often trained into us. Certainly, by the college age, when you're you're majoring advertising, which is like pick a thing, double down, get you know, become <laughs> so, an expert in it. That's and so then, boring. I know. So, <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's one of those things that I, I tell the team this a lot of times. If we're sitting around and we're interviewing people or we're in conversations, and you get to like five five or six me twos, then mm-hmm. move, go find someone else to talk to. If it's like, Oh yeah, me too. Oh my God. Me too. Stop. Just stop. That's go. such a great framework. I love that. Five or six so, me twos. Get yourself into a different group of people. Yeah. It's so like you're, true. you're not going to learn anything because all you're doing is validating, you know, what you guys do together. But I, I get that. We try to find that comfort level quickly. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. They, they do this. They snowboard, they hike, they bike. No, I want to. I always put myself in places where I'm like, oh, wow, that is so intriguing. I've never heard of that book. I've never heard of that music. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I've been building my career on mm-hmm. of sticking, placing myself in vulnerable places where I get to learn mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. constantly. Yeah, go ahead, Christina. <laughs> I love that you can hear me open my mouth. Um, so, so I love that like you came from this place of the arts, and and that's how you got yourself into advertising. And even in your work with Openbox and and your volunteer work on the side, you are still a very active supporter of the arts. You've worked on short films, a feature length film, Shield and Spear. You support the Joyce Theater, MCA Denver, the New Museum. How? How have you kept the arts part of your life as you've gone through these other cycles in in finance or finance yeah. uh, and <laughs> um, and the, your MBA and like are you still do you still find ways to practice your art today? Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I do whenever I can. Uh, while at the same time, I don't think you can live life without the arts. Mm-hmm. Is it such a? I mean, I get it's a question, but to me, it's strange because. How can we live life without art? And it has been my breath. Um, when I was in Denver, MCA Denver was just a, a place, a safe place for me just to catch my breath, 
sometimes where mm-hmm. I was in the office and I'm stuck in a cube and just going meet after meeting, I would sneak over at lunchtime and just kind of walk around and lose myself. And mm-hmm. no matter where I go, whether I'm in London and of course I'm so happy and I'll be in here in, in, in uh, New York city where I get a chance to see art all, all around me. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> yes. And yes. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly um, putting myself in positions to be around art mm-hmm. as well as artists. Um, and I don't care if you're an artist that's putting your stuff in a coffee shop. I've, I've actually purchased plenty of art from coffee shops, as well as art wow. from, you know, galleries. Um, mm-hmm. I love the story and the process that artists go through. And mm-hmm. it, it's so intriguing to, to really feel um, the importance of that. So, and it's coming around. I'm working on a project right now. Um, up in Boston uh, with a lab. I'm not going to say what lab, but it's kind of obvious which lab it is up in Boston, <laughs> uh, where we're really looking at the intersection between art and technology. And so mm-hmm. I'm working with what a, a very established artists um, here in the city, and we're looking at how art and technology starts to play. And if you see what's going on in the world and how things are changing, everything that I've been doing from the finance side and the tech side is actually coming full circle to where we're able to actually start to think about 3D printing. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you think about painting and the changes that are going to happen in painting and laser jet. It's coming full circle. Mm-hmm. And, and everything is interdisciplinary. And we require so many different points of view of thinking, which I believe that that's the way it should be. And in many ways, it, it was, you know, say many, many, you know, hundreds of years ago where mm-hmm. we all hung out and talked about art and science. And for some reason, it got put into, oh, we need to put everything in its own little box. Right. And now we're getting to a place where, no, we can't put everything in a box because we're losing an opportunity. Yeah. I blame it on the industrial revolution. Yeah, I agree. I agree. (laughs) Everything was fine in the Renaissance. The Medici's knew what they were doing. And then all of a sudden we had, you know, the industrial revolution and we had to figure out how we were going to slap people on, uh, you know, the, the... the factory lines uh, and everyone had to do one thing and do it all day. And it was great for productivity and for increasing our quality of life. But I think it just killed so much of this interdisciplinary and and creative breath that so, so many of the the people had. And I know I'm probably idealizing the Renaissance and completely forgetting the serfs that had to toil in the fields. But but you you think about our grandparents. I mean, my grandparents made everything. There was no organic food was my grandmother's backyard. Absolutely. (laughs) Joffing the jars in the basement. Exactly. Same here. So we were all craftsmen, you know, and Mm -hmm. and innovators. And when something broke, you fixed you didn't go to Home Depot. Truth. My grandpa could do anything with right. a roll of duct tape and a screwdriver. That's right. And that's what? the spirit yeah. that we work with. Yeah. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. 
So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Well, I, I also think, too, unfortunately, in a lot of ways, education in our educational system mm-hmm. has suffered from this as well a little bit, right? This We've talked about it already, this pick one thing or mm-hmm. study this subject and then go study that subject. Uh, you know, Marquise, you, you also find time to do a lot of teaching and mentoring. Yeah. Uh, you work with, am I saying this right, chaos pilots? Yeah, the chaos pilots. Is that pilots. right? Yeah, chaos pilots in Denmark and yeah. in South Africa and, you know, to help students learn 
by doing. I love we've we've talked about that as mm-hmm. well. You've guest lectured at the Copenhagen Institute of Design. Where does your passion for education come from? You know, you've said school can't teach you to be fearless at one point, no. which I love. No. Uh, talk to us about that. Well, I think that that's what we have to do. Is that um, one one thing is that teaching is the best way of learning. So I, I'll start <laughs> off with just. Honestly, I, I love I love teaching because the students teach me so much, and I learn mm-hmm. so much more about myself. And getting that feedback and critique or whatever it is um, yeah. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I but I also really believe that uh, students need to hear from the real world of what's mm-hmm. going on, and mm-hmm. I love the opportunity just to give them the straight talk about <laughs> look, you know, you're going to come out, you have all these different ideas. Uh, it's going to take time for you to actually start to develop. And you, do, you need to do a lot of listening. You need to pay attention. And you need to step into your greatness and not be afraid to fail. And it's not just, mm-hmm. oh, fail fast and you know go forward and failure is great. No, failure shouldn't be a way of life. It should be a way of learning. Mm-hmm. And so I love being in a place where I can actually work with students to, to help them work through those moments. You've had a lot of education, a lot of schooling as well. You know, um, I think if you, if you could, if you could say that, oh, the way our education is now would shift in some way for mm-hmm. the better, what might that be? Student-driven curriculum. Uh, mm. Students, you know, we just finished a project. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Lorene Jobs put up uh, the mm. money for the future of yeah, education. Yeah, trying to redesign mm. the future of yeah. high schools, I think. So that yeah. was one of the projects that we did um, here at Open Box. And That's it was awesome. amazing. And we interviewed you know, close to 100 students and, and really got wow. a sense of what students were want, wanting. And, and the one big takeaway that we heard was that we want to be a part of the, the designing of the curriculum. Mm. Uh, we want you to take into consideration the work that we do in the classroom and outside the classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, every student is different. We don't want to be put on one linear path that we mm-hmm. all need to go to college and you need to go to mm-hmm. college right away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what does a gap year look like? Um, I think Europe mm-hmm. does a good job of providing that gap year. I think it'd be yeah. great here in the States to give some students that haven't matured yet or, or mm-hmm. need just to experience life or breathe a year, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. let's not punish those students. Uh, let's give them the opportunity to go out and, and see the world so that they're not just forced into picking a major. Mm-hmm. Who yep. am I? And this whole big question of what do I do and what are you studying? People have to just get over that. <laughs> if, if someone asks you what you do, say, I'm getting it done. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I'm so using that. I think yeah. it's so true. Our lack of uh, our ability to connect with humans and to rely on like small talk is actually creating this entire level of stress that yeah. I don't think anyone even intends to levered. They just don't know what else to say. You know, you, right. you meet someone, you're like, oh, that's so interesting to meet you. What do you do? And you're like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so unfair for an 18 mm-hmm. or 19 year old yeah. to try to explain. Who am I? What am I going to do in my life? I don't know. I'm still Mm -hmm. a kid. Four years ago, I was like 14, 13 years old. (laughs) Give me a break. So I I think education needs to rethink how we, um, you know, participate, allow students to participate Mm -hmm. um, in their own learning. And I think so much of like the entire college admissions process 
I think contributes to that stress as well because we're we're seeing the stress of uh, 18 or 19 or 20 having to pick who you want to be and it's trickling down to like freshman year of high school yeah. thinking I need a linear narrative four years from now when I write my, my college application oh, so yeah. I have to decide right now who I'm going to be. Oh God, yeah. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it, it's just like creeping earlier and earlier so I love the gap year. I mm-hmm. also love like the notion of of um, stop thinking about your college applications until it's time to actually apply to college and only then decide if this is the right school for you, if that's the right path for you. And until then, be curious and explore and and let yeah. that drive the choices well, you're making. Yeah, I mean, and, and as you know, being here in, in New York City, you know, it, it starts even way early. Oh, like, sure. It starts Absolutely. preschool. Like the, <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, would, I would argue it starts in the fetus almost. Like, <laughs> where, where do we need to move now since we're yes. pregnant yes. to yes. make sure that we That's get right. into the right school? It's, yeah. it's crazy. Right. Um, yeah. It's crazy. And I think the big challenge of, of that is that there's a, uh, a sector of the society that learns just to do and then there's another sector that I would say has the privilege of learning how to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, such a difference when people come out of school and they have critical thinking skills. Mm-hmm. And then that sets you up to do so much more in your life. And the challenge is that we're not providing that for everyone. And we're forcing certain kids that come from a certain background mm-hmm. to just learn to do. You learn to get a job and we put them on this linear path and all they're doing is learning and doing, learning and doing. They're mm-hmm. not learning how to learn. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to pick up an, a book when they're you know, done with school yeah. and leverage that through critical thinking. Yeah. That's Which, absolutely right. I, I, oh, I was just going to say, I also think that the inherent problem that we're talking about too, one of the inherent problems, is that the self knowledge and self-trust goes away because when you say, oh, people are telling me what I should do and I have to kind of give a quick answer before I have done the self-exploration or especially if I'm 13, 14, 15, then I'm starting to look outside of myself for the answer, right? Instead Mm -hmm. of following my own curiosities, giving myself uh, the the power to say, what am I interested in, right? Mm, What what, what curiosities do I have that are are trying to talk to me inside Mm -hmm. of me? through the noise of where are you going? What are you going to be with your life? What college are you going to? And I think the the huge disservice we're doing to to this entire sector of kids that we're only teaching what and not teaching how to learn is that the second they're out of school, they're not able to keep up with things that change, right? So this entire notion of like the job's of 15 years from now don't even exist yet. Like those industries don't even exist yet. That's so right. if we're training them all the way through for jobs that exist today, we are we are perpetuating uh, their inability to kind of keep up with the 21st century. And and you know we're we're basically deciding that they're never going to be able to move out of that socioeconomic structure. That's right. You know, saying saying you have this great quote that. Christina found on your your LinkedIn that says that I'm willing to admit that I don't know everything, but daring enough to try anything where, you know, it takes a lot of confidence to say, I don't know. I don't know something. Where do you find that confidence from? Uh, You know, it's I I would say that uh, 
for me, I was lucky to have uh, you know, parents that definitely supported my curiosity and allowed me to ask questions from very early on. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that definitely has been a driver of saying, hey, I just don't know, can I ask? Mm-hmm. So empowering people to ask questions is the mm-hmm. beginning of that curiosity and, and vulnerability. And too many organizations, they don't allow people to ask questions. So therefore, you can't be wrong, mm-hmm. right? And so there's so right. many opportunities for us to solve problems if we allowed people to be wrong. Yeah. And yeah, lower the cost of failure. That's right. And so for me, I know that the opportunity for success begins with that I don't know anything and I start with a beginner's mind and I'm open. And a lot of that is nonverbal. And a lot of things that we talk about in the office is around posturing and nonverbal communication around how are you holding yourself? What are you, what are you open to Mm. when we're actually engaging with our clients? uh, It's, it's where are you sitting? How are you holding yourself? Are you staying open? Mm. Are you listening or are you waiting to be heard? Just such a huge difference. <sighs> I love that. <laughs> well, tell us, we've taught you've talked a little bit about New York. Obviously, you are your home is New York now. Tell us about the low line. We'd love yes. to hear oh, about my goodness. Yeah. this incredible project <laughs> that you're working on, have been working on for several years now, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Tell us about it. How did you get involved? What are you most excited about? Where are you right now in the process? Yeah, so it's an amazing project. And so a friend of a friend introduced me to Dan Barish, which one of the founders with, with James Ramsey. And when I met them, it was very much a napkin idea. I mean, we were literally just drawing on a piece of paper, a napkin, <laughs> explaining what was going on and what was going to happen. That. And this was before the big the first big Kickstarter um, mm-hmm. that we, we went out and raised money for. And so we've, we've been working and uh, for many years without any permission to actually be doing this. Um, no support. To <laughs> From all. New York, and, right? That's right. Yeah. Right. No, no city officials. Right. Nothing. City officials. Zero. Mm-hmm. There was just an wow. underground area um, down right by Delancey and Essex. Um, it's about the size of a football field. And wow. uh, James and Dan said, "Hey, you know what? I think we could put a park there. That'd be cool." And I underground, think that underground. <laughs> and I just want to be very clear to our listeners: this yeah, is under right. the earth, it's under right. the, underground. <laughs> and we said, "You know what? I bet you we could grow plants and trees there and figure out how to get sunlight down there." So I just love the audacity of the dream, right? Like the creative audacity. Yeah. I love that idea. So we just started playing. And again, there's just a group of us that are founding board members that really started playing and put our heads together. And we brought in a lot of different new ideas and testing things. And we did one lab, um, where we raised money, um, down in the, uh, the Lower East Side in one of the uh, buildings that were actually, it's actually torn down now. And then now we have a, the Low Lion Lab in an old Essex market um, just right there at Rivington. And oh, wow. so we've been playing and working, and now the city has finally, after you know, almost five years, said, hey, you guys can actually do it. Um, and so they've agreed to allow us um, to build this out. Um, it's kind of provisional saying that, hey, you guys need to go raise money and you need to get the, the community involved, which mm-hmm. is a huge 
part of this and very important. And it's something mm-hmm. that I'm uh, really helping to lead with Dan on, um, mm-hmm. as well as the team here at Open Box, is really that community design. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how can we make ensure that this isn't, you know, gentrification all over again, where yep. we're going to change the neighborhood, we're going to build a park, a bunch of tourists are going to come in drinking Starbucks. Mm-hmm. You know, what does it look <laughs> like to actually? to actually do something that involves the community. So we've been doing a lot of design charrettes. We've been, we have a, a community engagement committee where it's open to anyone that wants to come and talk. And so every month we have a new meeting with a uh, new set of people and it's been amazing. Not everybody's on board and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to hear, we want feedback. Um, I've, I don't know if you guys have ever been to a community board meeting, but they are very spirited. I, <laughs> yes. I've heard this. I love listening to them. Sometimes on uh, KCRW in LA, oh, they'll play yeah. some of them on the radio. Yeah, They're man. so fun to listen to. Yeah. So, but I, I, I love it. So right now we're at a place where we've gotten uh, provisional permission to move ahead with the plan. Um, it's probably going to take, another, I don't know, four or five years or so um, to build it uh, mm-hmm. out. And so, yeah, it's a, it's an amazing project. Uh, if you guys haven't gone down, it's open every weekend uh, to the public. And uh, if you want to come see it with me, you can certainly oh, come check it out with me as well and, and see the technology. The plants, we're growing plants and trees underground. So there's a vegetation piece to this. There's a science pieces where we have basically the solar receptors that are pulling the sunlight in, and it's, it's real sunlight that's coming through these tubes mm-hmm. and, and wow. um, spreading light across the plants. And so we have technology, we have vegetation, and then we have community, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a placemaking for people to come, and we're, we're, we're going to make this park open to the community. It's going to have spaces for doing movies. It's going to have places for just gathering and music. I mean, it's going to be a real place for the community as well as people from around the world who want to come and see the world's first underground park. Well, the thing that's wow. so amazing about this, what, you know, when we first met um, and we were talking about STEM education yeah. uh, in our first conversation was the the opportunities you have, not just for it as a community space, which is super valuable because Lower East Side actually has some of the, like the fewer, fewest number of parks yep. kind of per capita compared to the rest of, of most of Manhattan. Yeah. Um, but it's also a really interesting place for STEM education and to really, as we talk about learn by doing, let kids see up close and personal. What do you mean by, um, you know, the vegetation, the technology required? Why is it important that we have real sunlight coming through and not just, you Mm -hmm. know, install some, uh, some floodlights underground? Like what, (laughs) how does that all play in, you know? Yeah. We created a young designers program and we've seen thousands of students schools all over the borough coming in and seeing and and playing. And again, it goes back to this learning by doing and learning to learn. Uh, And it's amazing the young people um, that have been so excited about this and young kids who would have never been able to to get this close to science at this age Mm -hmm. are able to walk just down the street and go go by the bodega, grab something to drink and walk Mm -hmm. right in. It's right here. It's in their neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and that's what's inspiring about this is that we're putting it, it's access, right? We're putting it right there yeah. so it's accessible and they well, can play and touch. And it makes mm-hmm. them realize, I think this is one of the biggest things that, that um, 
I see the disconnects when I was up at the museum and with Bridge Up that so many students see science as something that has already happened and they just have to learn the facts of it in their textbook at school. Right. And right. instead of seeing science as it's a verb, you do science. Yes. And science is still being discovered and learned. All the time. You, right. And you can contribute to it. Like this is yeah. a living, breathing thing. And to see it a down there block, you know, yeah. s- squeezed in between the bodega and, you know, the, the place that they <laughs> hang out with their friends yeah. is so amazing. And it makes it so real to them, I think, in a way that even, you know, doing labs in, in you know, your high school biology lab doesn't uh, necessarily make that so tangible and relevant. Yeah, they see the struggles of it. They, they mm-hmm. see the everyday. Mm-hmm. We've been, we've, the lab has been open for almost a year now. And it's great to see the young people who have been in and out of there and seeing how we've changed things. We've had to manipulate things and, and really, and they've been a part of the feedback and they've been able to ask questions. And I, I mm-hmm. keep going back to that, you know, curiosity is the permission to ask questions mm-hmm. and yeah. they're able to ask big questions to the scientists that are there. Um, and it's, it's not mm-hmm. in a, a, this perfect lab with white coats and mm-hmm. sterile environment. It's dirty. It's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they need to see that, that, that science doesn't begin with this perfect you know, moment that they see on TV. Well, and Marquise, another theme of your work really also seems to be community, getting mm-hmm. out in the community, creating a community, leveraging the power of community to build yeah. something great together. It's so important for us that we don't live in this silo by ourselves, uh, Mm -hmm. that we make sure that we're open to different ideas. And that, to me, begins with community. And I distinguish the difference between communities and clubs. Mm -hmm. And we have to be careful. There's times where we create clubs thinking that Mm -hmm. we're building communities. And clubs start to have rules and guidelines and these norms where you don't break the club rules. Community, there are no rules, right? Communities are open. You can say what you need to say. You can come dress the way you, you need to dress. Mm. Uh, and, and of course, there's some unspoken structures around communities just to keep things in order. But at the same time, we're okay with it not being perfectly organized. And that's, that's the structure and, and the ways of working that we love is in building strong communities, not clubs. Mm-hmm. I love that phrase. Um, One last question, I think, before we head into our lightning Uh round. Mm -hmm. So you have a young son. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind for him? What what lasting change are you hoping that you will you will pass on for him and his generation? Uh, Again, it goes back to stay curious and vulnerable and play Mm -hmm. play Mm -hmm. often. Don't let society or anyone determine who you should be or how you should be it, uh, making sure that you let your life, um, your life show who you are. And that's, mm. that's where I, I try to live and I try to teach and share that my life will tell my story. Mm. Um, I don't need anyone to tell it for me. I love that. I love that so much. Oh my gosh, Marquise, we um, 
we wish we could talk with you forever. Uh, <laughs> we will keep the conversation open. Uh, we are now at the point where uh, we're going to move into this tradition of our show called the lightning round. Uh, it's it's built to be different than everything we've done <laughs> so far, which has been this wonderful conversation. Uh, it's very decidedly some quick questions okay. that we uh, have come up with that you, of course, have no idea what they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd love for you to just answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, no judgment, no no thinking too much, uh, just uh, just whatever pops into your head. And I will be sure to hold my tongue on follow-up questions, which is my, <laughs> my hardest oh. thing to do. I always have follow-up uh, me, questions. You are not alone. We are the queens <laughs> of follow-up questions, so we, we have to say it every time so that we try to we stick to it. We remind ourselves, exactly. Okay, here we go. Question one. What are you reading right now? Uh, James Baldwin. I read a bunch of James Baldwin books. And I just finished um, uh, Chaos Monkeys, um, which is another great Silicon Valley book. Nice. Wonderful. Wonderful. What is a work of art or film or piece of theater that you saw recently that that you really loved? There was a photographer um, at Mm. Whitney that is dealing with just like civil rights and um, it's a black and white Mm. um, photographer. So Oh, yeah. that's wonderful. Well, we'll, we'll look Danny him up Lyons. and definitely. Danny link. Lyon. I was just going to. Danny Lyon. Nice. Yeah. Um, and by just going to say that, I mean, I Googled it while you were speaking, not oh. like I actually <laughs> knew the answer. Uh, such, a wanna... Googler, Seriously. Seriously. such a fast Googler. Seriously. Such a fast. Okay. <laughs> what is a favorite spot in New York that you go to think when you need some quiet? Ah, uh, the edges. I love either the, you know. Edgel by the mm. Hudson. Mm. Uh, sometimes you forget you're on an island here. Yeah, <laughs> that that's is, so uh, true. <laughs> you do. You're like, oh, yeah, there's water. I can yes. go into <laughs> Yes. Hello, New Jersey over there. Yes. You know? yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, what, is, what is a dream project? Obviously, the low line sounds like a total dream project, but what's a dream project that, you've lo- that you'd love to take on? Something you're... Oh, fancy to get your I would love. On. I mean, my my dream is that it's either at the federal level or city government that calls us and says that we want you guys to come in and look at our whole ecosystem and the work that we can do all around healthcare, education, um, transportation. You know, places like Louisville or Nashville or St. Louis. I love to go to places where we're needed, not just uh, wanted. And so mm, uh. my dream project is to like, ah, oh, get that call where they really want to change something dramatically about their infrastructure and redesign mm. their community. That's awesome. I love uh, what's the title of your future TED Talk? Because you know you're going to have one at some point. <laughs> the title of my future TED Talk. It could be a, a working title. Sure. <laughs> uh, I would say... Vulnerability is my best friend. Ooh, I love that. I will totally listen to that talk. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Beautiful. Do you have a shout out for a, a woman who is doing awesome things in innovation and or design? Uh, yeah, I mean, God, there's so many great women who are <laughs> trying to think of. That was a good one. That's a good question. 
I would say yeah. everyone on my on my team. I know we always put people on the spot, and they're like, "I have to pick just one." I know that's not fair. It's impossible. It's it's not fair. It's a very unfair question. <laughs> it's we such should an change question. question. <laughs> just, who uh, was the last one you saw? <laughs> <laughs> who, who passed you in the hall? You know exactly. what? I actually think all of the women on my team is a completely all the women valid on my question. Team, <laughs> definitely, all the women on my team are okay. amazing. Uh, very powerful. Excellent. We we will link to your team page so that everyone can can check out the amazing women that you have hired at Openbox. Awesome. Absolutely. Last and final lightning round question, and then we will let you get back to your Friday. What is a favorite thought or phrase or maxim that motivates you that you sort of return to 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 get your juju on? Uh, the proximity of luck is is a great gift, and that is. Understanding that you're only a few degrees away from everything that you need. And if you really just put yourself out there and my superhero power is a smile. And if you use your smile (laughs) and you just open yourself up, whether you're walking down the street, you'll be amazed of what you do for that person that you smile to and what that smile as it reflects back to you does to you for the rest of your day. I love that so much, and it's making me think of that amazing Usain Bolt photo where he's smiling as he's running. <laughs> that is a great got, photo. That's you know, right. uh, the, the sense of play that he seems to have yes. when he's doing what he's doing, yeah, it's people so think powerful. He's, he's, he's fast, but he's so loose, and he keeps yes. makes fun. Yeah. And people exactly. don't realize that that's the power of staying loose, <laughs> yeah. having yep. fun. That's yep. his superpower right there. That's yeah. so true. It's the realization every time I'm like trying to to nail one of those really difficult poses in yoga and the teacher's yeah. like, you guys can smile. That's this right. Is That's right. supposedly an enjoyable activity right. that you've chosen to participate in today. That's right. Don't fight it. Just, just be it, right? Yeah. Well, Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Marquise. Yeah. Like, I, I remember the first time we mm. met, we were talking about the low line, we were talking about STEM education, yeah. and your spirit, your curiosity, your smile was like absolutely just the thing mm. that, that struck me as like, this is someone who is making his mark in a, in a real you. way. Um, and we're just so honored that, that you were willing no, to join us No, thank you, guys. This is awesome. I, I really appreciate you thinking of me. I, I, I always love opportunities to, to share and to learn. Um, I've learned mm. a lot from you guys as well. So thank awesome. you so much. Well, we've learned so much from you, and your, your passion is so apparent in all that you say, and I know all that you do. And when so Kate finally you. comes out to New York, we're going to swing by the Low Line Lab. Yes, uh, please do. We're going to you up for a personal tour. All right. You yeah, guys do we're, that. we're awesome. planning very soon. Uh, okay. Very soon to be there. So, all right. Really well, thank you both, and uh, I guess we'll just all be in touch. Indeed. Whenever you need anything. Okay. <laughs> thank, all right. Thank you. Take we're care. Safe. All right. Bye bye. What a lovely way to end this incredible conversation. I love that. Play early and play often. Marquise just had so many great nuggets of inspiration in this episode. I actually feel my energy levels cranking back at 100%. I can hear them cranking back to 100%. I have so many goosebumps. There were so many beautiful quotes from this conversation. Marquise's philosophy on community, the human-centered design work that he and his team are doing at Openbox, his passion for the low line. It's so present in his work and in 
how he speaks, and it makes me very happy to know that there are people like Marquise working on things like these. Absolutely. And, you know, Kate, I had an idea. I think we should start a four-square list with spots from The Limit Does Not Exist. We can include the Lowline Labs, the Field Museum, NASA, JPL, the Franconia Sculpture Park in Minnesota. We have a lot of choices we can add there. Oh my gosh, I am I'm visualizing this like graphic map in my mind. This is very <laughs> we, exciting. We can do a road trip. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks to our listeners as always for hanging out with us. Our theme song is by Broke for Free and our outro song this week is by Sea Doc. Yes, as always, please subscribe, rate, and review if you like what you heard. You are especially encouraged to leave us a review if you like how we talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz, This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one listen to a really good cry with radhi devlukia on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia the cia and the kgb that's where my new podcast begins this is neil strauss host of to live and die in la and i wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks. scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich friend because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.